0: Welcome to Steered's podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And new year, new us, new episode structure. We are jumping right into the episode. You'll hear our checking in, our recommendations for books and movies and podcasts to listen to, and all of the other stuff that we have to say in the middle of the episode in our refill break. So without further ado, Julia, let's jump into the episode 265, Demeter.
1: Well, Amanda, I'm going to invite you to come on a journey with me, right? So close your eyes, and I want you to picture yourself in the ancient Greek
0: countryside. I look great with a toga. Okay. You do. On. Oh my God. Absolutely. I love it.
1: <laughs> there are these rolling hills and mountains. You have these fields of green and gold with the cerulean sea beyond. But in the hills of Greece, you will come across another type of golden field waving in the breeze. And that is a field of wheat and cereals. I love cereals, Julia. Bread's my favorite food. I know. Bread's so good. I feel bad for people who can't eat gluten. I understand. I have many family members who are gluten intolerant, but man, bread's so good. <laughs> bread's good. Cereals are good. I'm,
0: I'm in it. I'm here. I'm smelling the breeze.
1: Well, Amanda, these fields of cereals were central to this week's goddess, Demeter. So for the Greeks, via Edith Hamilton, the first cornfield was the beginning of settled life on earth. That was the quote from Edith Hamilton. I love that. And just for some context when we talk about Demeter, who is referred to in the Theogony as the corn mother. When we're talking about corn, we're not talking about like corn on the cob or maize as we understand it, because obviously Europe in the time of the ancient Greeks didn't know what that type of corn was. So when they say corn, they're basically referring to cereals and grains in general. Gotcha.
0: So if I mention corn, not talking about corn on the cob, I'm talking about like wheat. And sounds like classic Europe to apply a word that they know to a species that it is not when yep. they encounter the US. Yep, yep, that feels right.
1: So I really like edith hamilton's reasoning behind why demeter was the goddess of agriculture rather than a god so she says the care of the fields belonged to the women and as they plowed and scattered the seed and reaped the harvest they felt that a woman divinity could best understand and help a woman's work they could best understand her too who was worshipped not like other gods by bloody sacrifices men liked but in every humble act that made the farm fruitful Mm, lovely isn't that beautiful I love it that. is. A lot of times when we think of, I guess, in America, and I think of like farming in the like dust bowl and stuff like that in kind of rural America, it's very masculine. But I do love the idea of ancient Greece, the fields belong to women. I think that's
0: awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: Also, what I really like is the fact that it was described that. While Demeter had like actual temples and stuff, any field of grain or threshing floor was considered her temple as well, where she might be found at any moment.
0: Oh, lovely. Isn't that beautiful? That really is.
1: I like the idea of any home could be made a temple to the goddess.
0: Absolutely. And I'm sure a quite repetitive and kind of humdrum task of, you know, threshing grain and caring for fields and once again, walking the many, many, you know, linear feet of uh, wheat that you have to, you know, pick over can be a little bit holy, a little bit meditative.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as someone who I find a lot of solace in repetitive tasks, because I can kind of just turn my brain off and just do the things and let my hands take care of it. I definitely feel a, a connection there. Totally. So she was also described by the poets as Demeter of the corn ripe yellow hair, which I think is a really evocative description for her worshippers. I think that's just really beautiful.
0: What is the end of the woods line? Hair as yellow as gold. A cow as white as milk, a cape as red as
1: blood, a hair as yellow as corn, a slipper as pure as gold. There it is. There you go. So we could use her to make a potion. Indeed. Also very important to her divinity, she was the goddess of sacred law, as well as being associated with the cycle of life and death, which we will talk about a lot more later. But we've talked about her role as the mother goddess when we have spoken about her relationship with Persephone in the past. And she to clarify, is not our understanding of like Mother Earth. So that would be Gaia, who was the personification of the earth in Greek mythology and also the mother of the Titans.
0: Which I think makes total sense because agriculture isn't the same as nature. It's a, you know, a human relationship to making land work for us as opposed to like the land, you know, in capital letters.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that is also kind of what begs a difference like when they first kind of introduced persephone into the mythology she is more the like cultivation of nature so like not agriculture exactly but also not just wildly nature she is kind Mm -hmm. of the middle ground like we'll talk about this later but when persephone was stolen away by hades she was tasked with painting all of the flowers in the world Mm. which i think is adorable and beautiful and i love that so much So let's talk about Demeter's names and titles, which uh, has become one of my favorite sections in doing uh, it's all Greek to me. So Demeter is also known as Dio, which seems to derive from the Cretan word dia or the ionic zea, which are various terms for grains
0: like spelt and rye. Really? I was going to assume that it was something holy, like Dios, you know, meaning God.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, That, I think, is more of the Latin origin, if I'm remembering correctly. I might be wrong. I am not a... Probably right.
0: Entomologist? Etymologist. Entomologist is bugs. That is bugs. Yeah, I was like, I always confuse those two. One of them is (laughs) bugs. I know one of them is bugs. One has an N in the middle, like the word ant. Ent and ant.
1: That is a great way of remembering it. Thank you, There you go.
0: I only know Julia because I did once sign up for an etymology class and instead landed in an entomology class. Oh
1: no. <laughs> and then the professor who was teaching the etymology class was like, "Well, now you know." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "This is the first rule of etymology." Haha, that was the first test? <laughs> yeah, ah, you went to the bug class instead. That's very funny. I love that. So as the goddess of agriculture, she was, as I mentioned before, referred to as the corn mother. But also in Cyprus, she was called damatrizin or the grain harvester, Mm. which I really like. In this form, her symbol was the poppy, which would often grow among the barley in the field. And she was said to help crops grow full and strong. Delightful. She was also worshipped as a goddess of the earth beyond the fields. uh, In Arcadia in particular, a version of her prior to the ancient Greek version, showed her as a snake haired woman and gave her power over not only the earth, but also the underworld, the air and the water, which was symbolized by
0: her animals, the dove and the dolphin. I mean, two animals. OK, my first reaction is, what do those boys have in common? But I kind of get it. They're both like noble and beautiful, more so than their like relatives. hmm. No, I I agree. Yeah.
1: A dolphin, like, you see a dolphin in real life and you're like, I can't believe that's a real animal,
0: you know? Yeah. You did post on Christmas, by the way, something that someone submitted to the Spirits uh, uh, Instagram at Spirits Podcast. Remember, reindeer are real, narwhals are fake, which... I read and and chortled and then five minutes later was like, wait, that was the opposite. So you got me. You got me. <laughs> I mean,
1: reindeers are also real. It's just that they don't fly.
0: We've we've covered this on the podcast before. I know, I know, I know, I know.
1: So she was also referred to as Anastora, which means one who sends gifts from the underworld. Oh, like roots. Like roots. I like <gasps> that. My favorite. The Spartans tied her to the dead and the Athenians sometimes called their dead the Demetrioi, which like kind of links her and death and growth because new life would sprout from the dead body just as new plants arise from buried seed, which I think is beautiful.
0: Oh, Julia, my absolute shit. Yeah, and it's also like, that makes her the, the goddess of compost. I love that. She's the I goddess know. of compost. My building just got composting two weeks ago. And it was the <gasps> most exciting event to happen to me. Maybe not all year. I did get engaged this year, but like <laughs> at least in the last two months. That's
1: really cool. Yeah. No, I'm so excited. We went to go visit my cousin. This is a total sidebar. We went to go visit my cousin the other day who lives in Connecticut. And I was like, do you guys have recycling? And they're like, yeah. I was like, oh, you guys have recycling. We don't have recycling anymore. And I hate it. I want to recycle oh, things so bad. badly. Bad bad, bad, bad. God, no. But God is a compost. I love that. Love it. The poet Pindar says it best, actually, in reference to that. He says, happy is he who has seen what exists under the earth because he knows not only the end of life, but also the beginning of what the gods will give. I couldn't agree more, Pindar. Yes. Fuck yeah, Pindar. I love that. I love it. Oh, God. It's just
0: She's so good. I love I love my mom so much. My mom the earth. I love her. I love my mom Demeter too. I gave a talk recently about like making a career in new media and like having a career like doing podcasting and stuff. And the quote that I opened with is from the magazine Modern Farmer and I was like, is this the first time anyone's opened a media talk with a quote from Modern Farmer? Maybe uh, I'm the first. And so the quote is that real farmers grow soil, not crops because in monitoring the health and vitamins and resiliency of your soil, like that is more than half the battle in growing crops and that's what, you know, farmers kind of pay attention to in this person's estimation. Yeah. And I think that is so true. The plant is the result. It is not the act. And I love when people draw attention to that.
1: Yeah, there is so much like actual science that goes behind farming. This is going to be the, hey, we
0: love farming section of the podcast. Farmers are great. Hey, farmers, get in touch. Like tag us, show us your pics. You all know how much I love my plant watches, but like truly making it all happen.
1: You are truly. We love farmers on this podcast. And I know Demeter loves you guys too. Shout out. Hell yeah. Here's a couple more of the epithets that I love for Demeter. So first of all, did you know that Chloe is one of them? No. Why? It is. It just means green. So it refers to her ability of like ever returning fertility.
0: Oh, my God. Chloe. We really grew up at a time where Chloe was like the sort of popular girl name when we were in middle school, I thought. I recently was Googling
1: like most popular names for Gen Z folks. Oh, really? Yes, because I was trying to pick out a good character for our Join the Party spinoff. Yeah. And I chose Chloe because it was like number 16 for Gen Zers name That's very to be good. named. Like, it's wild. That's very good. I love the name Chloe, actually. I'm a big fan of it. And now Demeter, also Chloe. <laughs> she is also known as Thesmophorus, or the giver of customs or legislator, which is uh, particularly related to a festival that we're going to talk about a little bit later on the show. She's also known as Agnipi, which is is the mare who destroys mercifully, which is incredible. And also, as we know, horses are one of her holy creatures because she was given the first horse by Poseidon. Sure was. They also translate it to nightmare. But I know that we like literally get the phrase nightmare from a Germanic pagan god, but I love this so much. It's so good. Horse mom. Sometimes they have a lot of scary titles, depending on what God is. This is her only like scary title. She's also known as Eulo, which means like related to corn, which is great. And also is known as Carpophorus or fruit bearing. And like I mentioned before, she was also the goddess of sacred laws under the title of Thesmia,
0: Mm-hmm. which I love. I hear any word that sounds like Thezbian and I'm like me.
1: <laughs> yes, that's me. For a really long time, I still got that Thespian Society newsletter. I don't think I get it
0: anymore, but... I really honestly expected more to happen in my life when I was elected president of our Thespian Society. I really, I was like, ah, yes. This is the moment. The rest of my life on track. Yes, surely I'm going to go to conferences and and meet others. Never did. No, no. Probably
1: because they made it happen just your senior year and there was
0: nothing to do after that. Yeah, that's true.
1: We've talked about on the show at least one lover and one child of Demeter. We talked about her relationship with Poseidon in our Poseidon episodes and their children, which includes the talking horse. Sure does. We've also talked about Persephone before, but we'll revisit that one a little bit later. But Demeter did take on other lovers and bore other children. So the first I'll mention is Icyon, who was the son of Electra, a nymph, and Zeus. The two of them actually met at the wedding of Cadmus and Harmonia, and Demeter kind of lured him away
0: from the celebrations. And then the two had sex in the field that had just freshly been plowed. Okay, I mean, listen, if the smell of compost makes her feel at home, then I'm all for it. I was going to
1: say, you know, people get real real sexy at weddings and, you know, want to get it down, and Demeter
0: is no exception. They do, and also the smell of freshly tilled earth, there's something to it. There is, there's something to that.
1: When they returned to the party, Zeus, who was a lover of Demeter, saw that Demeter had mud on her back, and in his jealousy, he struck down Icyon with his thunderbolt. Ah, piss. Yes, But their union, however, resulted in two twins who are Plutus and Philomelus. Plutus became the god of wealth and was the bearer of one of his mother's symbols, which is the cornucopia or the horn of plenty. Incredible. I love the cornucopia. I Every year I make one out of breadsticks for
0: Thanksgiving and it's great. At some point I want to make some great British baking-ass sculpture to do with cornucopia bread situation man i i can just imagine how beautiful that would be
1: i love that meanwhile his brother philomelus was the god of animal husbandry as well as plowing the fields so it was said that plutus because he was the god of wealth was obviously the wealthier of the two but he was kind of conceited and he never shared his riches with his twin sure you got to share with your your siblings that's like rule number one i think
0: you would know better than me. I'm an only child. Especially twins. Twins are going to have some kind of fraught relationship to sharing. Because they have to share everything. I feel bad about them. Exactly. So never shared his riches, but
1: Philomelus, out of necessity, he bought two oxen. And he invented the wagon and was able to support himself by basically inventing, plowing, and cultivating crops. Damn. Which I love that. So, his mother, out of admiration for her son's basically industriousness, placed him in the heavens as the plowman constellation that's known as Bohotis. That's a pretty great, you know, eternal gift. Imagine your offspring does so well that you're like, you're gonna be a constellation now, bud. I'm proud of you. I know. So another lover, as I mentioned, was her brother, Zeus. And there isn't much description of their courtship that I could find in the myths, but the most important aspect of their relationship was the birth of their daughter, Persephone. Though, as a side note, and I love like little side notes where the poets disagree with each other, but there is a Orphic fragment of the story of Persephone's conception, which says that Zeus had sex with his mother, Rhea, in the form of a snake. And then after that, Rhea gave birth to Persephone. And in that story, Rhea is transformed into the goddess Demeter after giving birth to Persephone. Fascinating. Yeah, which it's definitely like odd in the grand scheme of Greek mythology. But because this is lost and also an Orphic tradition, which we don't have a lot of, it doesn't usually align with what we consider the Greek canon. It doesn't seem to have been accepted as much
0: by the Greek poets totally. And like, there's so much we can't know, right? Like people could have been kidding. It could have been a metaphor. It could have been, you know, like all this is metaphor and allegory for lots of different meanings. So I I don't know. I just I think it's fun to really think about people did this for a reason. Sort of what were the reasons? Like it's not ever that we're saying like how stupid. It's saying like, why was this? What is the meaning? What is the departure from what was known already? Like what is the purpose?
1: Yeah. Trying to remember if the Orphic traditions are like pre-Greek poets or post-Greek poets. And if it's like they were just like, we're going to put our own
0: spin on this or I mm-hmm. heard it different, you know? You know, people are always in dialogue with what is around them and what has come before them and what they want and think might happen after. And, you know, I'm sure most of these poets, uh, some of them were probably having grandiose thinking of like, they'll be reading me hundreds of years after my death. Mm-hmm. Many of them were probably just fucking around. Yeah. And so it is so interesting to me to read about. That's why I love like historical context so much around these texts, because it's like, did you think that people 2000 years from now would be, you know, reading it and kind of wondering and, and saying like, hmm, was that weird for you? It's a little weird for me, but let's dig into the weirdness. Let's see why. It's like, oh, why are Pindar and Homer
1: disagreeing on like what Demeter looked like? That's weird. Yeah. And it might just be like they were feuding. I love the idea of just like poets feuding if they lived within each other's times. Or even if it's like, I didn't
0: like the way that that guy 100 years ago wrote this story. So fuck him. I'm going to write it my own way. Yeah. No one does this better than rabbis. No one does this better than the Talmud where it's like, you know, layers and layers and layers and layers of people citing and disagreeing with and feuding with and building building on each other That's Wikipedia to shame. It's incredible. I love that. I love that so much.
1: So kind of leaving that, we're going to revisit the story of Persephone and Demeter,
0: but we're going to do that as soon as we get back from our refill. Let's do it. Julia, welcome to our first, is this an extended refill? Is this like a second round? Is this a catching up in the bathroom, you know, while your dates are back in the bar and like kind of doing a little debrief? That's what this is. Yeah, this is when you're at a house party and you're
1: refilling your drinks in the kitchen, but you get to talking to someone that you haven't spoken to in a while. And you're like, oh my God, tell me
0: what's going on in your life. You will always find me in the kitchen at a house party. You'll find both of us there, which is why I love going to parties with you. I usually sit on the counter. Sorry, host. No, it's great. And then we're at eye level. It's perfect. So Julia, in this refill, we're going to do a few things. We're going to thank our patrons. We're going to give our recommendation of what we are reading, watching, and listening to. We'll tell you what else is going on with Multitude. And then we'll get into our sponsors just to, just to give you a little layout, uh, folks listening. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys know what to look for. And this is our first episode of 2022. This is our seventh year of podcasting, Julia. 2022 is year seven of the show. We're about to hit our sixth anniversary, and this is going to be year seven of the show. So we would not be doing this as our jobs. This would not be our career. We could not afford to put you know time and research and effort into making the show as good as possible for you, if not for our patrons. And so that is why we thank them every dang week. That is why you can go to patreon.com slash spirits podcast to sign up for as little as a dollar per episode and make your little bit of money each month Support us; it adds up. It really does. It
1: really, really does. And we get to do exciting things like make you recipe cards for every episode. If you sign up now, you're gonna get definitely over 500 at this point because we provide both cocktail
0: and mocktail recipes for every single episode. We sure do. We did appetizers as well. We did recipes at the beginning, and now we do all kinds of like outtakes and bloopers. There is six years of stuff for you to enjoy in the Patreon, and by becoming a member, you get access to the entire back catalog. So thank you very much to Toff I I recognize that name, and. Ambiquafula Quafula, who became patrons recently, as well as those clutch supporting producer-level patrons, Alicia, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane, Jessica Kinzer, Jessica Stewart, Neaselkins, Megan Moon, Phil Fresh, Captain Jonathan, Molokai, Cosmos, Sarah, Scott, and Zazie, and our legend-level patrons, Audra, Bex, Clara, Drew, Bay, Bay, Lexus, Mary, Morgan, Mother of Vikings, Sarah, Taylor, and BME Scotty.
1: And you can get all that by going to patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, where you can get those recipe cards, you can get bonus Urban Legends episodes every month, you can get a bunch of audio extras it's just there's a lot there And trust me when I say it is worth every penny that you can send our way.
0: Next, Jules, I'm going to ask you what you have been reading, watching, or listening to. Amanda,
1: I haven't been sleeping well because I have been reading an incredible book that one is giving me just like great messed up dreams, like in the best possible way. And also it's just very hard to put down before I go to bed every night. So I end up staying up way late to try to finish more and more chapters. And that is Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. And oh my god, Amanda...
0: So good. So good. Nothing like it.
1: I found like a new love and appreciation for gothic literature as a whole. And this just like scratched so many of my like special interest points that I was like, oh, I need to read this book three more times, please.
0: I've seen it recommended almost everywhere I go on the internet and it deserves to be. It's such a good book. And you can find a link to buy that from an independent bookstore online or near you at spiritspodcast.com books. Books. And also every single week, we're going to let you know what's going on with Multitude, the pod- podcast collective that Spirits is a founding member of that I run all day long for my job. And this week, we would like to remind you that Julia and I are on another show here in the Two Collective. If you're into passionate people creating shows you can count on, hey, don't stop at Spirits. Listen to Join the Party. This is an actual play D&D podcast with tangible worlds, genre-pushing storytelling, and collaborators who make each other laugh each week, two of whom are me and Julia. That's true. We welcome everyone to the table on Join the Party, from longtime players to people who have never Touched a role-playing game before, so if you're like, I like Amanda and Julia, that's why I'm listening to their voices. I want more of that. Then hey, listen to join the party. Yeah, you can start with Campaign One, which is a dose of
1: classic high fantasy gameplay. Or if you're not into Dungeons or Dragons, you can start with Campaign
0: Two, which has D D mechanics in a modern superhero-centric setting. It's a lot of fun. So listen, what are you waiting for? Pull up a chair and join the party. Search for Join the Party in your podcast app, or go to jointhepartypod.com. Yeah. And now, Julia, to thank the sponsors that also help make the show possible. First, we have a sponsor, Julia, whose Kickstarter I backed more than 10 years ago. Wow. This is Beta Brand. They make comfortable yoga pants that look like dress pants. They have been on the athleisure, like comfort style game much longer than folks who are newer and getting into it now and being like, hey, I just realized that clothes are uncomfortable. Beta Brand has been making comfortable clothes for a long, long time. I have their dress pant yoga pants and I love them. They have inclusive sizing. They are long enough for me. They have pockets. They have yoga denim as well. It is so, so, Good, and they're all so comfortable. So, whether you're going to the office, working from home, or running errands, you are going to look chic and feel comfy. So right now get 30% off your beta brand order when you go to betabrand.com slash spirits. That's B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com slash spirits for 30% off your order for a limited time. Make sure to use that URL because it supports our show and lets them know where you heard about beta brand from. Find out why people are buying five different pairs of these pants. Go to betabrand.com slash spirits today for 30% off. Amanda, single-use plastic is, like,
1: a thing that we've been talking about since 2000, right? Scourge of the earth. You're like, oh, God, terrible. But it is 2022 now, which means it is way past time to make cleaning fun, beautiful, and plastic-free. I actually enjoy cleaning now, which is wild to me, because I started using my Blue Land cleaner. And it is simple and beautiful and, like, just... You buy a bottle once, you refill it forever. There's no more plastic waste. There's no more like trying to figure out where to put the recycling of the plastic bottle that you were using. You just need to discard instead of the plastic bottle, your outdated idea of what eco-friendly products are. And it means that they're less expensive and more effective with Blueland. So Blueland has these stunning high quality forever bottles that start at just $10 when you buy a kit. And they're meant to be used forever with these money-saving refillable tablets that just start at and they come in incredible scents like Iris Agave which smells incredible or Lavender Eucalyptus which seems very up your alley Amanda. Mm-hmm. So right now you can get 20% off your first order when you go to blueland.com/spirits. That's 20% off your first order of any blueland products at blueland.com/spirits. blueland.com/spirits.
0: And finally, we are sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on the show, and this month we are discussing some of the stigmas around mental health that people run into. I know that before I went to therapy for the first time, it felt like something that I didn't yet merit, like things weren't bad enough or it wasn't extreme enough or, you know, why would I go to therapy if I am getting good grades or making it to work? And I really wish that someone had told me earlier that therapy can be a tool to use before things get bad. It can help you avoid those lows. It is a thing that you can use to maintain and not just kind of like rescue your life when things get bad, but keep things stable and even hopefully looking up. I use BetterHelp every single week to talk to my therapist, whose name is also Amanda, (laughs) and I love the flexibility that we can use text, phone, or video therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers phone, video, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anybody on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So Give it a try and see why over two million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. Once more, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and spirits listeners get ten percent off their first month at BetterHelp.com/spirits. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com/spirits. We did it, Julia. Our first mega refill. Can't wait to hear more about Demeter. So now let's get back to the show. So Amanda, it was great talking to you in the kitchen, but I was trying to think of what the
1: cocktail for Demeter should be this week, right? I figured, you know, let's make a cocktail that's really earthy, you know, something herbal with bitters. That's usually <laughs> my go-to. But then I was thinking a little bit more about it. And honestly, I think Demeter would be more of a whiskey woman. Really? Yeah, because l- of grain. Yeah, like she's the goddess of agriculture and cereals and grains. she probably likes something like a rye. she probably like Sazerac or maybe a Manhattan. So I I found this cocktail that jake loved when i made it for him and it's called the trinidad sour mm. so it is rye whiskey bitters naturally and a bit of lemon juice and then these really great almondy notes that come from orge syrup if you've ever had like tiki drinks usually they kind of add some orge that like adds a sort of nuttiness and that was kind of what i was looking for for a kind of a toasted demeter inspired drink
0: I love the idea of her like on the threshing uh, floor, like in the building where the grain is stored, like hanging out between silos and having like a little, you know, a little cask of whiskey that she's aging. Oh man, I love that so much.
1: Now I'm trying to decide if I had to assign a type of alcohol to each of the gods, what would it be? Oh. And like Demeter absolutely like whiskey, 100%, right? Mm-hmm. Throw out me some alcohol ideas and I will throw back at you the first god that comes to my head. Okay, gin. Athena. okay. I love it, how about vodka? I feel like that's either a Hera or an Artemis. I think I'm leaning more towards Hera, I like that. How about tequila? Tequila is a party drink. I'm gonna go with Dionysus. That sounds like it makes sense. Um, how about brandy? Brandy. Oh, that's like. I feel like brandy's like fancy ass motherfucker, and I feel
0: like that's what Zeus drinks when he's sitting on Olympus. Yeah, I can. He's a little to cancer next to him, and like a brandy boy. How about rum? Rum. Poseidon. Hundred percent. Okay, makes total sense. What other liquors are there? I know, right? It's hard to think of liquors. Whiskey, rum, gin, tequila, vodka. I think those are the, the most prominent ones. Yeah, yeah. I didn't take too long thinking of those, so they're pretty pretty solid in my head, I feel like. Hey, everybody, uh, pause the show right now and text a friend, quick lightning round, what Greek god, you know, personifies these liquors, and uh, see what you get. Yeah, yeah, and let us know the results, because now I'm curious. And let the friend know about Spirit's podcast. Yes, Come on. a good way of
1: letting a friend know about the show. So with these Trinidad Sours in our hands, Amanda, to keep us warm, let's revisit the story of Persephone and Hades. I I feel like the last time we talked about this story in depth, we focused very much on Persephone and Hades rather than like what Demeter was going through when her daughter was stolen away by the God of the Underworld. Yeah. So before the abduction... Persephone was known as Kore or the maiden, and she lived with Demeter on the surface of the earth. The two of them were actually often worshipped together. Again, it's something we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, but sometimes they were just referred to as the goddesses and called the older and the younger in order to distinguish Hmm. Which is very cute, but also like kind of difficult
0: if you don't have the best relationship with your mother. I'm like, I don't want to just be the younger version of you. I was just going to think like we are two 29 year old women and I can think of nothing more fraught than referring to any woman I know as the younger or any mom I know as the older. Like it's not just an age thing either. It's like this is, you know, a time in my life where I'm thinking a lot about differentiation from my parents and what it means to be a human unit in the world. And, you know, Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, no.
1: Luckily, I think Persephone and Demeter probably had a better relationship with uh, each other, and so probably didn't have a problem with being referred to as the older and the younger.
0: I mean, also, let's think about the origin of these gods. What a, like, metaphorically rich thing to to have, right? It's like a mother-daughter <laughs> goddess pair. Yeah, exactly. And when you think about the fact that
1: they're often shown as a triple goddess, where, like, Kore is the maiden, Demeter is the mother, and then you have Hecate as the, like, crone aspect that also kind of plays very heavily into this. So when Persephone was taken, it was because her father Zeus had given Hades permission. But obviously, you know, obviously don't tell the mother of your daughter about that. Just let her think, oh, my child has been taken and I don't know where she is. Yeah. It feels like even Zeus should know that. Yeah. You would think, but he was probably like, oh, no, she'll just get mad. So I'm not going to tell her. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that, bud. You just can't. Poor Demeter wanders the earth, never tiring, and is, is so preoccupied with her grief that the seasons halt, living
0: things cease to grow, and all living things begin to slowly die. And like, I know we've touched on it before, but man, what a what a metaphor for grief.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, bud. Mm-hmm. Sure is. I was going to say, luckily, Zeus can foresee things happening, but no, he does realize pretty quickly that this is going to threaten all life on Earth, so he Mm -hmm. sends Hermes, who is the emissary between the Underworld and the gods, to go fetch Persephone and bring her home. However, as we know, while Persephone was in the Underworld, she had eaten a few pomegranate seeds, which bound her to the Underworld for a certain amount of months every year. Interestingly, this time reading through a few of the different sources, not all of them say that this period of time is fall and winter, but rather it might have been a reference to the dry Mediterranean summer where plant life goes through a drought instead
0: of like the bleak desolation of winter. And I understand why that would be a little more alarming to Zeus than this happening during fall and winter, which, you know more expected. But I just
1: really like the idea of seeing a different period than we normally see. Like for those of you who've played the Hades video game, Demeter is symbolized by a lot of frost powers, which I think is really fun and really interesting. But the idea of like drought and that kind of like dead grass in the middle of summer heat also is extremely intense. And I love that a lot. I love that too. Another super interesting thing that I found upon revisiting this myth was that Demeter would in some versions actually descend into the underworld herself to fetch Persephone and bring her back to the surface, both the original time and every time since then. Which I think is, is extremely important when we're going to look at some of the stuff later with Demeter. This journey to go get her daughter is a huge part of the Eleusinian mysteries, which, again, we're going to talk about in a little bit. But the return of Persephone to Demeter is also tied to the harvest, obviously. So it was said that at the beginning of autumn, when the old crop was laid on the field to act as fertilizer for the new crop, that was Persephone returning back to Demeter. And that was like basically the old crop meeting the new crop. incredible isn't that so great i love that so so much it's just beautiful imagery and again coming back to
0: demeter the compost goddess which i am in love with oh man i want to like go sniff some compost right now (laughs) i know right
1: like i just want to like lay in some hay or something like that i know i'm sorry i was just thinking about a thing that i learned recently which obviously i'm not a farmer and i didn't grow up on farms i didn't realize that hay has to cure And when it does so, it goes through like a thermodynamic process. So it actually like heats up. So you have to be really careful when you're curing hay because it could like catch on fire. Wild to me. No, it is powerful shit. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Hey powerful
0: shit <laughs>
1: stories of persephone weren't the only ones that demeter was featured in like i don't want people to think like oh yeah demeter she kind of one note she just only cares about her daughter that's not it like all of the gods demeter was prone to exacting revenge on those who wronged her fuck yeah dude not as much as everyone else but like a decent amount so one of these tales involved the king of Thessaly whose name was Erecycton. So he ordered all of the trees in one of Demeter's groves to be cut down. I don't remember why. He just decided that was a thing he wanted to do one day.
0: You know, I was going to ask, and then I was like,
1: I'm I'm not going to know. People just do that all the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the trees in that grove actually held the like votives and prayers that Demeter had granted to the people of that city. Come on. Luckily, the workers knew better than to cut that tree down in particular. And in his frustration, the king took up the axe himself and struck the tree. In doing so, he killed the dryad who inhabited that tree, and with her dying breath, she called to Demeter to curse the king.
0: I know that this is completely historically inaccurate, but I just want to say that king hates unions. Like, that's hating unions energy. Yeah, yeah, he was a real scab there.
1: Yeah. Do you want to guess what Demeter cursed the king with? Just, like, infertility, baby. Hmm, That would be a good one and it would like align with her whole thing. That's not it though. She instead called upon the spirit of unrelenting hunger whose name is Limos and Lemos entered the king's stomach so that the king, no matter how much he ate, only grew hungrier and hungrier and sold all of his possessions to try to buy more food. Oh, my. So he lost all of his belongings. He lost all of his loved ones and unable to satiate his own hunger, ends up eating
0: himself. Damn. Yeah. That's a hardcore. Yeah, he deserved it. I feel like Demeter is a real doesn't yell a lot but when she does it's like she means it or like doesn't get angry that often but when she does she really means it and i respect that yeah yeah she's hardcore she's hardcore but in the best way she doesn't curse people often but when she does yeah it's horrifying exactly
1: so another story of demeter's revenge happened when she was searching for persephone after she had been taken because she wandered the earth and got mm-hmm. up to a bunch of shit. So, at one point she arrived in the land of Attica just fully exhausted because she'd been traveling for so long, and she asked a woman named Misme for a drink. So, Misme offered her barley water, which is similar to a story that we'll talk about later and also important to the worship of Demeter. Mm-hmm. And so, Demeter in the heat of the day and in her thirst kind of like drank the water very clumsily, spilling it on herself as she was trying to gulp it down, and the woman's son who was also there at the time, his name was es- He laughed at her in that moment and mocked her in a real like, you know, when people like you spill a little something on yourself and they're like, haha, first day drinking.
0: And you're like, go fuck yourself, my guy. If anyone said that to me, I would I would give them a withering stare and say what a strange thing to say to a stranger. No one ever did that to you as a child. I feel like that was like a joke that people would make all the time. Like, huh, first date drinking? You're like, no, motherfucker. No, I would just like punt, like get ashamed and punish myself.
1: Wrong. No, bad. (laughs) So uh, Demeter, much like you, did not take that shit. And so she stood. She poured the remaining drink over him and turned him into a gecko. Yeah. And it was said that Demeter favors those who kill geckos because they remind her of that man's mockery. Okay, but geckos are super cute. Yes, apparently... The Greeks didn't like geckos. I don't know why. Oh, but fascinating. Greeks not a fan of geckos. The final tale of revenge that I'll tell you is the story of Minthe, who was said to be the mistress of Hades before he took Persephone to be his bride. So Minthe would often brag, even though she was no longer a mistress of the Lord of the Underworld, that she was more beautiful than the new queen and that it wouldn't be long before Hades took her back. Deeply, deeply understandable behavior. Yes, obviously. Totally fine. So Demeter, upon hearing this and loving her daughter a whole lot, trampled the nymph to death. Okay. And from the earth, a sweet smelling herb grew and that is where mint came from. <laughs> oh no. So next time you have mint in a cocktail or in
0: like a recipe or something, be like, mm, this is a dead nymph. You know, the one thing I have never been able to keep alive is mint. Actually, I, I have a very tough time growing it. It, it doesn't grow well indoors. Mm. And at least the plants I get here in the city will often have fruit flies that infect my other plants. So that's the one thing that I've like outlawed from my home and it makes sense.
1: Mint is also like very invasive, like it'll run wild if you plant it outdoors and it'll take over all your other plants if you're not careful about it, so. Yeah. Like jealousy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm with you here. We'll, we'll do it. We'll take it. Green-eyed minty Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, minty Chloe is very funny. Okay. So Demeter, not only vengeful though she's not like some of those other gods where it's like all the stories are about revenge there were many times where she gave her favors as well so in her wanderings for instance she came across a town known as phineas the people of the town welcomed her warmly despite not knowing that she was a goddess and they offered her all sorts of grains like you know rye and spelt and all that except for beans which they said were too impure to give to a guest Oh, okay. So when she revealed who she was, two of the townspeople built a temple for her, being like, oh my god, we were blessed by the goddess. And in her thanks, she gifted them the fig tree.
0: Yay! Which is a good gift.
1: I I like that. That's a great gift. I have two. I love fig trees. Do your fig trees actually, like, flower and fruit? They're not mature enough, no. Recently we were looking at houses, and one of the houses had, like, a huge fig tree in the backyard that, like, we went to go see it towards, like, the middle of fall, so it was, like, just fruiting and A lot of the fruits were like there. I'm like, I can't just eat figs off of these people's fig (laughs) tree, even though they don't live here anymore. But it was very tempting. I
0: was like, this is also how I get stolen by the fae or have to spend time in the underworld. So we won't do that. I know. Part of me is saying do And then part of me is like, don't eat the fairy fruit, Julia. (laughs) (laughs) For the best, for the best that I didn't eat those. So a great gift of a fig tree. But there was
1: also Triptolemus, who was the son of the king of Eleusius. So he was actually nursed by Demeter after she saw that as an infant that he was sick. And he immediately just regained his strength and in the blink of an eye also became an adult, like a fully grown man. Wow! Yeah, which I, I guess
0: you know the the breast milk of a goddess that'll do it. It's a real reverse Benjamin Button <laughs> situation, <laughs> as we call it here aka aging aging but fast but fast
1: so she chose the man to teach the art of agriculture to the rest of the world and from him the rest of greece was said to learn how to plant and reap crops so demeter also gave him her serpent drawn chariot which i fucking serpent drawn carriage i love that so cool chariot awesome and so she asked him to scatter her sacred seeds across the earth which is Very cool.
0: That's a much better idea than the Johnny Appleseed myth. I'm trying to think of the logistics of a serpent-drawn carriage, but I kind of don't care. Like, I love those little ground dwellers. Like, that makes total sense.
1: I feel like it's almost like a eastern dragon kind of situation where they just like wiggle and fly through the air. Oh, yeah. No, I was also picturing them flying through the air. I don't know why or how, but I'm into it. No, I I just feel like if it's a chariot of the gods, it probably flies. Totally. So unfortunately, while he was basically spreading the sacred seed of Demeter across the world, he landed to rest in the kingdom of a man named Linkus and the king there Found out what his, like, mission was and was like, all right, cool. And so he waited for him to fall asleep and then he attacked him because he wanted to get credit for teaching everyone agriculture. No, come on. However, Demeter saw what was happening and she had been looking over Triptolemus and in the last moment she turned Linkus into a lynx and then returned uh,
0: Triptolemus home. Not a bad outcome considering all that happened. Yeah, And I mean, lynxes are cool. I like a lynx. They're very cool. I love those big old paws. Those big old tails. Yeah,
1: they're cute. I like them. They're like little 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 furry boys.
0: Yeah, they're all out of proportion and I find that adorable. Yeah,
1: exactly, right? Like when proportions are weird, you're like it's either creepy or adorable. And it could go either way. <laughs> yeah, they have real kitten proportions, which I find so cute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, man, let's talk about festivals, which has uh, slowly also become one of my favorite parts of these episodes. So before Demeter found where Persephone had been taken and she had traveled the earth to search for her, like I mentioned, while she was searching in disguise so that like no mortal would know her, she came across the palace of the king of Eleusis. So in this city, she took the appearance of an elderly woman and she sat by the city well. Love it. If you want like the hot gossip, the well is like the water
0: cooler of the Greek world. I love the disguised as an old person waiting by the well. It's my favorite trick. Classic, classic. So while she was there, she was approached by four
1: young women who asked her what she was doing there. She told them this buckwild story about how she had been fleeing from pirates and that she had escaped, but now she found herself in the city where she knew
0: no one, which I was just like, that's a buckwild lie. Demeter, what? (laughs) I mean, is there anything more fun than lying to a stranger, though? Like, I I totally get it. Yeah, no, you're right.
1: Lying to strangers is fun.
0: So the young women hear the story. They're very, like, impressed
1: but also feel bad for her. And so they return to their mother and they tell her the story. And the woman invites Demeter into her home. When she enters the home, she begins to kind of bring with her this divine light. And the matron of the home quickly is like, something up with this lady. Here's my best wine. Do you want some? And Demeter tells her, no, she doesn't want the wine. And so instead, she offers her a cup of barley water. There you go. Again, the barley water, which is a sacred drink that would be given to worshippers in the city of Elisus. So this refreshed Demeter and she blessed the woman's youngest child, her son, with immortal youth, which is great. However, this required her to anoint the child with ambrosia and then lay him in the hot flames of a hearth so that his mortality would be burned away. Oh my. So when the mother saw that this is what this old woman was doing to her child she screamed uh-huh. Because that's what you would do normally. That's not a wild thing. No, so would I. And also because Demeter didn't tell her what she was doing. She wasn't like, I'm going to make your child immortal. She was just like, here,
0: Ambrosia, throw the child in the fire. Like a rom-com, Julia, a quick check-in would solve almost all plot problems here. Yes. And therefore, it never happens in Greek myth. Exactly.
1: So Demeter is angered that this mortal thought that she would like even think about harming a child. And so she cast him out of the hearth, which didn't complete the ritual. So... This kid, not immortal forever or anything like that. Damn. She then showed herself in her full divinity, quote, beauty breathed about her and a lovely fragrance. Light shone from her so that the great house was filled with brightness which is wow. beautiful. I love the idea. It's like, I show my divinity and also it smells real nice in here all of a sudden. <laughs> and so Demeter demanded that the woman build a great temple for her near the town in order to win back her
0: favor. I mean, this is a hell of a thing to happen when your kids are just like in town and go to the well and they're like, what are you doing here, lady? And then fast forward six months and you're suddenly building a temple for a goddess who visited you and without your permission, tried to make your son a god.
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's a, it's a bit of a wild turn of events. Yeah. So the woman went to the king and told him what the goddess had demanded and the temple was built willingly like the king was like yes all right excellent um we should build a temple for this goddess i 100% agree
0: i have to say all these mortals are making the right decision here jules yes
1: yes exactly (laughs) so when it was completed demeter came to it as her throne away from the other olympians like not on olympus and it was the place that she could come to in her grief at her missing daughter which i think is really beautiful like a way of like getting away from everyone else and just being able to sit in your own grief and feel your own feelings. Totally. So it was out of this temple that the Eleusinian mysteries were held. So they kind of featured, as one would imagine, after the abduction of Persephone and Hades, they were a cycle of three phases, which were the descent, the search, and the ascent. This is stirring up media studies memories in my brain. As it should, as it should. So by celebrating in this cycle, mortals were able to continue the eternal flow of life from generation to generation. Allowing them to be rewarded in the afterlife that was the like basic principle of like if you participate in the Eleusinian mysteries this is what you get out of it Hell yeah. So during the actual mysteries themselves, there would be a feast and I'm going to break it down like day by day because it was like a 10 day thing. There was a feast during which two priests would fill these two vessels of water and then pour them out, one to the east and one to the west. Similar to the story that we mentioned before, a child would also be initiated from the hearth. Though what that meant exactly is one of the things that was kind of lost through time because this was a very secretive practice. And apparently the height of the celebration was an era of grain cut in silence, which was said to represent new life. But beyond that, there's no other information. That's the only <laughs> line you can really find. It's just an ear of grain cut in silence. You're like, what does that mean, though?
0: <laughs> Incredible.
1: So the Elizidian mysteries could also be divided between the greater and the lesser mysteries. So the lesser mysteries took place in the middle of winter usually around february or march and this was where like a piglet was sacrificed to demeter and persephone and then worshippers would purify themselves in the river not like super exciting stuff, but participating in the lesser mysteries, that's what qualified worshippers to be a part of the greater mysteries.
0: Okay, because I was going to say, who is like, nah, I'm fine with the lesser mysteries. Don't worry about it. No, nah, no, nah, because
1: the greater mysteries are fun. Like I said, they lasted 10 days. It ran in late summer, usually like late September, early October, typically. I mean... A perfect time for a mystery god. Exactly. So first, the sacred items were brought to the temple. Again, a lot of this is going to be vague because a lot of the stuff was lost through time because it was a very secretive practice. Oh, that makes it much more fun. Don't worry about it. Okay, great. So the sacred items were brought to the temple. The next day, the priests gathered to declare the start of the rites and then carried out a sacrifice of some kind. Yep. On the third day, some celebrants would wash themselves in the sea in anticipation for the rest of the rituals. The fourth day was a kind of festival within a festival, and it centered on Asclepios, who you might remember was the healer son of Apollo, who was so good that he could heal the dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then they were like, you can't keep doing that. So they killed him. (laughs) (laughs) That night, there was then a feast that was supposed to last all night, like sunset to sunrise. And then the next day, which was the fifth day, was the sacred walk to the temple of Eleusis, which they would take a path that was just basically called the sacred way. And worshipers would swing branches that were called the bakoi. Also during this walk, which is my favorite part, there was a point at which the worshipers would shout dirty jokes and obscenities. Oh, Wow. Because this was to honor uh, Ayambi, who was basically an old woman who was able to make Demeter smile, even in her grief over losing Persephone by telling her dirty jokes. Oh, fuck yeah, man. I love that so, so much. That makes me so yes. happy. Just like, ah, uh, yes, we've hit the point. Now everyone
0: tell your dirtiest jokes. <laughs> yes, when we crest the hill, let a real one rip. No fart jokes. Only only <laughs> sexy jokes. Fart jokes are the easy kind. Push yourself, Bob.
1: <laughs> So when they finally arrive at the temple, there is an all-night vigil, which was meant to represent Demeter's search for Persephone. Worshippers would also imbibe that barley water drink that we talked about, which some scholars believe might have also had like a psychotropic element, like they added some sort of psychotropic mushroom or something like that. Interesting. Again, not everyone believes that, but some scholars do, and I'm just sharing that information with all of you. On the next day, the initiates to the mysteries were brought into the the Telisterion, which was a great hall within the temple. And within there was a dramatic reenactment of the Demeter and Persephone myth, like a whole like play situation. The sacred items were then displayed and then the initiates were taught the purpose of those sacred items. So these three stages were called the unrepeatables because if someone initiated into the mysteries revealed
0: them, they would be punished by death. This is the most theater kid shit I've ever heard. I'm so into it. It's extremely metal. I'm here for it. Anyone who has read like Tana French or Donna Tart books about like two intense liberal arts students living together in college, someone needs to do some kind of like inspired by novel based on this shit. Yeah. What was that one called? The Secret History is kind of the most read one of this. Yeah. 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 That one was fucking buck wild. Everyone's
1: like, oh yeah, dark academia. And then you're like, the one character just does fucking like Coke in a Burger King parking lot. What are you talking about?
0: Yeah, it's a real bacchanalia in New England vibe that teens are very into now. Yeah, the teens really like the dark academia
1: now. They do. Damn (laughs) Tumblr. So on the final day, the priests would reveal visions that were said to have been sent to them by the goddesses. And then there was one final all night feast that was thrown, which was accompanied by dancing and revelry. Finally, a bull would be sacrificed the morning after the feast and the dead were honored again by pouring drink over the ground both to the west and to the east right on and then that's it everyone went home
0: i mean i love that yeah
1: that's a fun like 10 day adventure i feel like most of that's a lot
0: of fun yeah. I mean, we're recording this in the days before Christmas and the new year when nothing really is happening. And it is kind of like a 10 day period of like rest. And, you know, for many of us, even if we want to be working, no one else is working. So it's like, uh, I don't know. Just the idea of like a 10 day thing where you get to see all of your neighbors doing all of this shit. It really appeals to me right now. Yeah. We should
1: have more celebrations like during this period of time that everyone participates in. All of us can agree that the
0: solstice is a good time to focus on, you know, light and fun shit.
1: Hey, fuck yeah, dog. So that was what we know about the Eleusinian mysteries. Not everything we know, but a good summary for you and the listeners. And as we've mentioned before, Demeter was also worshipped with the Thesmophoria, which also worshipped Persephone as well. So it was held during late autumn when the seeds were sown in the fields and it celebrated human and agricultural fertility. Right on. Like we mentioned, only married adult women were welcome to celebrate in the festival. And for some, observing the rites was actually used as a form of proof of marriage, Hmm. which is kind of fun. I like that. Yeah. And again, because Demeter was the goddess of sacred law, that makes a lot of sense as well. So depending on where it was being celebrated, the time of year was slightly different. However, for the Athenians, it was celebrated in late October and for three full days. And I feel like I mentioned this in the Poseidon episode, but the festival also featured eating cakes that were baked in the shape of sexual organs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fun. Love that. Greeks knew how to have fun. Yep. And they also, similarly to the mysteries, sacrificed pigs. I think it's just like that's an animal that farmers would have and therefore that's what you yeah. would sacrifice. Useful, you know, precious. Yeah. Yeah. On the second day, however, it was a day of fasting, kind of to honor the morning of Demeter who, after she lost Persephone. Maybe also you're hungover, who can say? Or who can say, yeah. Well, I feel like you would want food after being hungover. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Or you really like you gorge yourself and then you're sated. You're like, nah, I, I can take a day off. Well, Let's prepare for day three.
1: Yes, exactly. Like after Thanksgiving, like you don't really want to eat that much after mm. Thanksgiving. So. And finally, on the third day, that was when the women would call upon the goddesses to pray for their own fertility, which was supposed to represent the return of Persephone which I think is really nice. Love a multi-day festival.
0: Not enough of those. We too, we love a multi-day festival.
1: Too few holidays nowadays are multi-day, mostly because our holidays have been cut down by like corporate greed and shit like that. Mm -hmm. But I just wish we had more like multi-day festivals where it's like, oh man, block out those 10 days. Here we go, we're celebrating. I know like Hanukkah is like a great example of that like multi-day
0: festival still. But yeah, lots of multi-day festivals in Judaism, but not enough in
1: Christianity. Not enough in
0: Christianity day holidays. That's what we've really decided. Please. Please, just stop giving us long weekends. Give us things in the middle of the week. Then I have to do my weekend shit and I have a day off and and probably my employer expects me to answer email anyway. God, screw
1: that, screw that. More Greek calendar stuff, in my opinion. (laughs) I know a lot of our listeners were like, you guys really should make that, that calendar of all the Greek festivals and stuff like that. I will. I'm not gonna sell it to you guys. Like, I'll just make it into like a Google calendar that we can share with you. I'm not gonna make you
0: guys buy things that are free on the internet. That's ridiculous. Let's work on that. We can do some kind of 2022... Conspirators quietly observe ancient Greek holidays as self-care rituals. Like Bean Day and Bear yeah, Day. These are all great. Dress Yeah, exactly. Dress your little girl on a toga day. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, that is all I've got for
1: Demeter. I love her a whole lot. I, I feel bad that so much of her stories are basically like, I, I was mourning my daughter and then some other shit happened. But I am glad that we get to talk about her because she was extremely important to ancient Greece and her worship like really does kind of give us a great insight on what the Greeks found important in day-to-day life.
0: Not least of all, because barley water is just one step from barley wine, one of my favorite drinks of all time. That is a really good beer style. I'm a big fan of that. Damn right. Julia, thank you so much for taking us through the goddess of compost. I'm going to bring goddess of compost energy to 2022 because truly we're all living in a dumpster fire. But let's see what we can make of it, you know?
1: Yeah. And Vanda, you bring that goddess of compost energy and just remember to
0: stay creepy. Stay cool. today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye.